What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of the College Underdogs Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Smith. And here we go, episode uh, two of this week. Want to talk a little basketball real quick, just real quick. And then I want to get into this Dellinger report because Ross Dellinger dropped a bomb this morning talking about the college football playoff committee and SMU and their status moving from G5 to P5. However, their payout status would remain G5. Just want to look at this um, and, and, and really... Get your opinion as well, who might be watching or listening and see, okay, is this, is this going to be a new precedent that's set or is this a case-by-case -case basis? And I'll explain that more when I get to it. But before I get into anything, if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment at the end, share it with a friend. If you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, please, please, please leave a five-star rating, leave a positive review. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, let's get into this. So first off basketball, uh, conference play tipped off this week in the American Conference. Not a lot of surprises, not a lot of unexpected things happen. Uh, the two probably most noteworthy things from my vantage point were um, UNT, getting the win at Wichita State. So their first conference game in the AAC is on the road uh, against what is traditionally a good program, and uh, they got the win. And I'm curious, how is North Texas able to capitalize on this conference opening win momentum? They got a big matchup now at home on Saturday against Tulane. Tulane has been rocking and rolling this season. So... We'll see how that goes. And then, of course, Memphis and Tulsa was a little bit closer than some might have expected. Uh, Caleb Mills for Memphis went down. Seems like it, that's a pretty severe injury. I haven't seen what the latest report is, but it does not sound good for him the rest of this season. Um, here's my thoughts on this Memphis thing. I know most people are expecting conference play to be a cakewalk for Memphis and if you're just looking at talent for talent, um, I totally understand that. But it came down to really, you know, last possession, Quinterly hit that big time shot. Um, in fact, what was the final on that? It's a three point game. Yeah, 78 75. Quinterly hit the three there towards the end, right at the end. And uh, Memphis escapes uh, a game at Tulsa that I think a lot of people thought. They would win in comfortable fashion. Here's the thing about Memphis. And I've talked about this before. They're going to get everybody's best shot in conference play. You know, that's just the reality. And I'm, I've, I'm saying that as someone firsthand had players of other programs tell me to my face at AAC Media, Basketball Media Days, that when I said, what team are you most looking forward to playing? A lot of players from other teams flat out said Memphis. I think even one coach said Memphis. I'd have to go back and look. I mean, it's on this channel. Uh, if you're, if, if uh, you can go back and look, there's a video of it or, or on the streaming as well. You can go find the episode. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the coaches stayed good. Coach speak, oh, we treat every game the same, yada, yada, yada. And there were players that said that too. But, I mean, there were a good handful of players that were like, oh, Memphis. 
Um, yeah, probably Memphis. Uh, yeah, looking forward to Memphis. So it might be some more dogfights for them as the conference play plays out. Um, you know, unless they can figure out this plan down to their their competition. Um, but just understanding they're going to get everyone's best shot. And then over on the Mountain West, real quick, uh, I did cover that media day, so I've been trying to keep an eye on that. Um, with college football coming to an end, I'm going to try and tap in a little bit more with the college basketball side of things. But I think the big game of the weekend is Colorado State versus Utah State. Both teams are 13-1. and one. Colorado State's a top 15-ranked team. The Mountain West also has San Diego State, who's, who's ranked. They've got New Mexico, who I think is one or two. Oh, nope, they're two losses because I think they lost their conference opener, but they were like 12-1. and one. Um, Nevada, led by Coach Steve Alford, uh, Alford, who was on this channel earlier this fall. Um, he, he is 13-1, and one, I think it is, and he's got a handful of some Power 5 wins under his belt. I know the Power 5 wins in, in basketball um, – don't always carry as much weight if that team doesn't have a very high ranking or net ranking or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know even if that Utah State Colorado State game is televised tomorrow, but that should be a good one. Actually, it, it should tell us we'll learn a lot about Utah State. I mean, are they a legitimate um, tournament contender or have they just benefited from an early season schedule? Um, and same for Colorado State, even though they're top 15. So I kind of will be keeping an eye on that. But as I said, basketball will continue to follow as we get deeper into conference play. The deeper we get into con conference play, the closer we get to March. And the closer we get to March, the happier I get because I love me some March Madness. All right, switching gears now. Dellinger's report. Let me pull it up. So, CFP may withhold added revenue from SMU despite the Power 5 move. Now, I will link this article in the description if you want to read it in full. I'm not going to read the whole thing word for word, but there are some segments I want to read and talk about. Starting with the second paragraph, which says, the board is expected to formally approve format changes to the expanded playoff in light of the Pac-12's disbanding. He changed that. So earlier this morning, this is interesting. Earlier this morning, I'm pretty confident he used the term in light of the dissolution of the Pac-12 or in light of the Pac-12's dissolution. And maybe that was another part in the article and he does use it again, but I'm pretty sure he used the word dissolution. Now he used disbanding. Interesting. Because technically the Pac-12 is not dissolved or or voted to dis, had a vote of dissolution, whatever. Anyways, in light of the Pac-12's disbanding, they're going to move to what's termed a 5-7 format that features five automatic qualifying spots for conference champions and seven at-large spots for the next highest-ranked teams. The previous format was 6 plus 6. That is unfortunate from a G5 perspective because had the 6-6 six, six sustained, which... By the way, this required a unanimous vote to change. All right, so that means that all the G5 representatives are, are voting in favor of moving from 6-6 to 5-7. Not sure what motivation they have 
I don't know if it's let's just play nice because right now it looks like, you know, separation might be inevitable and we've got to do whatever we can to make whatever amends we can to keep our seat at the table. So if voting to approve a 5-7 model for the next two years allows us to keep that seat at the table for the following 10 years or whatever the next contract ends up being, we're going to do it. Um, but yeah, that could be, could be risky. Right, you had a chance of getting two teams in the next two years, and now you're only going to have one, and there's no guarantee after 2025. But that's the first thing. And then the part about SMU says there is something else on the docket. SMU, the latest Group of Five program to elevate to the Power Five next year with its jump to the ACC, is at the heart of a CFP money fight. In the past, schools making the jump from group of five to power five also saw a leap in their distribution from the college football playoff. The difference in annual payout between G5 teams and P5 teams is uh, $4 million. Basically, group of five teams get a $1 million payout. Power five teams get a $6 million payout. So I guess, sorry, the difference is $5 million. Um, and after discussion among CFP commissioners, SMU did not garner the necessary support for additional revenue distribution. Uh, commissioner Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, says you have to have a unanimous vote to alter revenue distribution and diminish somebody else's revenue. That's it. So what is, what is he saying here? Basically, in order to disrupt this revenue distribution model under the current contract, it's going to require a unanimous vote for SMU to get the added money. Now, it's my understanding that UCF, Houston, and Cincy are getting the Power 5 payout. <clears throat> I bring that up because those are three teams that have also recently transitioned from G5 to P5. Now, if I'm wrong on that, please correct me in the comments. But it's my understanding that they... So this is a new thing where the committee's saying, uh-uh. Yeah, we get it. You're P5 now, but you're going to still get paid like you're G5 under this current contract. Now, in SMU's case, it really doesn't matter. They're, they're, they've got enough money to sustain themselves. I mean, that, that $6 million payout, I mean, that's a, that's a coin flip, like just, just you know flipping a coin into a bucket for them. That's nothing. And honestly, when the new contract goes into effect and SMU is already a Power 5 program, they'll get whatever the designated P5 payout is. Here's where I want to have some conversation on this particular subject is how does this impact future G5 programs looking to make the Power 5 leap after 2025? Teams like maybe Tulane, teams like maybe Memphis, right? Who, who seem to be on the line. I know South Florida gets thrown in there as well. And, and there's maybe some that I'm not even thinking of, you know, you got UTSA, they're brand new in the AAC, but they're in a town. I mean, they're in a, they're in a good market. They got a great program. I mean, they're, they're one that I would think teams have an eye, uh, conferences would keep an eye on, but what is that? What message is that sending to them? Especially if the next CFP contract is, is, you know, five to 10 years. I don't know how long they're going to set that contract up for, but that means that any team that makes the leap in that window can basically expect to still get treated like a group of five program as it pertains to CFP payouts. 
So what message are we sending the G5? From my vantage point, it, it looks like, again, another... Okay, there's two sides to it, right? One side is what Greg Sankey said. He's like, look, there's nothing more to this than just simply not wanting to disrupt the revenue distributions in the middle of the current contract. In other words, it's going to require a unanimous vote to do that, and right now, we're not going to do that. The other side is... Are we sending a message to a group of five programs that, look, we don't care if you make the leap to power five. As far as we're concerned, you're going to still be treated as a group of five team if you don't get in before this next contract. And I know like earlier this week, I had the conversation about is separation inevitable? A lot of you have brought some good thoughts to that conversation. Um, and then the other thing, sorry, I guess this would be the third thing, is is this just exclusive to SMU? Um, in other words, how much does SMU's arrangement with the ACC impact how the CFP is handling this? How much of this is, is the ACC in general being targeted? What if SMU was joining the Big 12? Would, the, would, would we be having this same conversation? So that's what I'm saying. So is this, who's the target here? Is the target, that's the question. Boom. Thank you. That's the question for the comments. Who's the target with this decision? Group of five teams? All of group of five football? Are they the target that's being put on notice in terms of them making the leap to a power five conference one day? Is SMU the target saying, hey, look, you're, you're getting into the ACC taking no revenue, no, no TV revenue. So you set that precedent for yourself. So we're not going to increase your CFP revenue. Is SMU the target or is the ACC the target? Obviously, there's a lot of conspiracy around that and the way Florida State was just treated. So you guys let me know and gals let me know in the comments like, who is the CFP committing, sending a message to with how they're treating SMU? Because I look, I'm trying not to be this big conspiracy theorist through all of this, but I also feel like when you follow this stuff so closely, you start to see patterns. You start to be able to read between the lines. And I, I do believe that by them choosing not to allow SMU, if that's what ends up happening, to get the increased revenue for the remainder of the CFP contract, they're sending a message to somebody. And it's either the ACC, it's either SMU, or it's group of five football teams, programs. Let me know what you think about that in the, in the comments. Now, if you want to take the G5 side, the, 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 the G5 target a step further, or even the ACC uh, a target a step further, How do you disband a conference? And in this case, I'm talking about the ACC because we know there's a lot of chatter out there with certain teams in that conference just fighting tooth and nail to get out. So if you want to destroy a conference... And those teams start to find a way out. What you do is you eliminate the incentive 
of the teams that said conference can go poach or go recruit or go bring in as replacements. So that's, you know, that might be a little too far in left field, but it's like, okay, where's the ACC? Like in the event, this grant of rights, somehow there's a, there's a loophole around it. I don't know that that's the truth. Look, that's kind of one of the, the, the rumors that's floating out there is that Florida State, you know, not long ago it was Clemson. Now it's Florida State, right? With all the new stuff going on, they may have a way out. And if one team can break their way out and it, it went back to, oh, what was the report? And I don't even know if it was a report or if it was just something on Twitter. But there was some renegotiation that happened that required some stamp of approval that the stamp of approval never got put in place. Those of you that are following that particular story more closely than me probably know more about that. Bottom line is, is if the ACC teams find a way out and start to break away, what's the ACC going to do? Well, they're likely going to look to regional teams, possibly, maybe, maybe, maybe coast to coast, who knows? I would think they're going to look to the American to start to replace those teams. And you know, depending on obviously the media, depending on what they choose to do with the media revenue distribution, you know, if that's not up to par and if the CFP distribution continues to be G5 level, like what's the incentive now to move to that, to, 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 to jump ship to that conference, if that makes sense, you know? And so I don't know. And maybe I'm just reading too much into the whole ploy to, destroy the you know give the ACC the same treatment the PAC conference got but the difference is as I've said on this show before the ACC actually has um, what I thought was a pretty ironclad grant of rights in place but that's it for today happy Friday hope you all enjoy your weekend Um, no football this weekend we got the natty coming up on Monday let me know in the comments who you're taking you got Michigan you got Washington Um, man I have an emotional attachment to Michigan. I've married a Michigan woman. And uh, one of my best friends is a go blue, die hard, you know, Michigan man. Uh, So I do have an attachment there, but just throughout the season, man, I've really, I really have, have, have enjoyed watching Washington. So I'll probably be rooting for Michigan just for the sake of my household. But man, seeing Penix and Kalen DeBoer and what he's done at Washington. And um, I, I think it would be, you know, it, it'd be cool to see them win it as well. Either way, I, I think I'll be happy with whoever the national champion is. It's something different. It's a different matchup. And uh, yeah, I, in my opinion, that's good for college football. So that's it. Thank you for watching episode or listening. Episode 87. Episode 87 of the College Underdogs podcast. That's it for me, Trey Smith. See ya.